Kind of a frightening story, huh? So, I used to read this story and uh, it used to scare me a little bit, but as I read closer, I saw that no one accidentally falls into this same position as Ananias and Sapphira. It took a lot of premeditation to do this. Um, so, we are on, now we are on page nine. Page nine. Um, so what I'm speaking right now as, as part of the sermon, this isn't something to read along to, so uh, if you want to, you can uh, take a break from looking at your, uh, your outlines a little bit and just hear my voice for the next few minutes. We are all in a community. What's a community? Community can be a village. A community, what does that mean to be in a community? What does that mean to be in a group? It means that we're with other people who share the same attributes as we do. Uh, many of us who are here today, most of us who are here today, are residents here of the Upper East Side Rehabilitation Center. Different backgrounds, so many different things about ourselves, but that's one attribute that defines everyone here. You know, animals have different names for the communities they're part of. Does anyone know what a group of wolves is called? A pack. A pack of wolves. There's also a, a pack of dogs as well. I'm going to read a few of these. I found these on the internet. I think this is fun. A group of apes is called a shrewdness. It's weird, right? A group of owls. This, this is so weird. A group of owls is called a parliament. Because owls, because look, they look so smart. A group of jellyfish, it's called a smack. <laughs> Makes sense, right? So I guess scientists, they need to have a little fun. Zoologists, they need to have some fun with their lives. <laughs> um, a group of hippopotami, that's many hippopotamuses, but it's hippopotami. A group of hippopotami is called a bloat. <laughs> a group of giraffes is called a tower. Makes sense. A group of crows is called a murder. Someone doesn't like crows. And uh, here, here's probably my favorite one. A group of skunks is called a stench altogether. So what these animals have in common is they're the same species. They're in a group together, a group of fish together. It's called a school. We probably all know that one. But they have a shared attribute that defines them all. So any community, it isn't necessarily good or bad. It's just a group of people or things that has a shared attribute. So what we're seeing here in this passage we just read, we're looking at a special type of community. A community, I think we see rarely today, and if we do, we just see glimpses of it, we see the community that is the new humanity that God wants to build by the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's, let me give some more context to the story. Where this story is happening, it's a, within the year or within a few years after Jesus died and was resurrected and then ascended. By the way, today is Pentecost Sunday. This is the day we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit, which is shown in Acts chapter 2. 
So at this point, the disciples are regularly performing miracles in center city Jerusalem, so it wouldn't escape anyone's attention. They were speaking words that were confounding the educated religious elite who were telling them to stop it. This section is big on pointing out the work of the Holy Spirit. Okay, we've heard about the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? We hear about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? And, and what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit, we find out, the Holy Spirit is the person of the Trinity by whom we experience God. When we experience God, that is the Holy Spirit working in us. When we communicate to God, that is the Holy Spirit communicating for us. I'll give us a couple of verses so we understand. Jesus said, this is John 16, 14, he said, the comforter will take from what is mine and make it known to you. The comforter, also translated helper, also uh, paraclete, which is a more obscure word, will take from mine what is mine and make it known to you, communicating to us. The Apostle Paul also said the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So what's just happening in this passage we read in the book of Acts is that the disciples were just speaking with spirit-empowered boldness to the ruling religious elite in chapter 4. Later on, they told their friends, who also prayed for boldness later in that chapter, and then it says they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. The Holy Spirit emboldens them to do the work of God. Whenever you hear the Spirit at work, the Spirit loves to work through bodies. If you remember the stories in the Gospels about evil spirits, evil spirits also want to inhabit bodies because of the spirit isn't working through the body. It isn't working through a, a being. It's not really accomplishing much, if anything at all. But this is encouraging to us because that means the Holy Spirit is here today wanting to work through bodies. Jesus did not stay in the heavens, but Jesus embodied flesh. And because of that, we share in his common humanity. We can share in his death and resurrection. So, okay, so communities aren't good or bad. What makes a community good or bad? Well, Tim Keller suggests that what makes a community good or bad is how we regard those who are outside our community. How are they? How do we treat them? How do we think of them? How do we think of the other? Who are they? Are they good people? Are they people we just haven't come to know yet? Or are they bad people? So I'm gonna give a few suggestions of some groups that you may have heard of, some different communities. When I was young, I was part of the Burger King Kids Club. The Burger King Kids Club. So I went to Burger King and they had little, uh, uh, little cheap pamphlet magazines with all, a lot of different cartoon kids. And uh, you really didn't need to sign up to become part of the Burger King Kids Club. You just put your address down and they would, they would give you quarterly comics. And then every year on your birthday as a kid, you would get a free coupon. You get a coupon for a free burger. It's a pretty good club to be part of, a pretty good community. I think the shared attribute of that community, I know I'm getting analytical here, I know the shared attribute of that community is that you were a kid and that you wanted to be in. And what was the attitude of that group towards those outside it? Come on in, especially if you're a kid. Come on in. 
if you're a kid. And you get something, you, you share. And they had all these different cartoon characters representing kids of different backgrounds and nationalities and, and, and behaviors, which was kind of neat. They wanted to be inclusive. So let me give you an example of another group. Has anyone heard of a signature credit card? Signature Rewards Club, something like that? Yeah. Heard of it. You've heard of it. So usually to be part of this kind of credit card, you need to have a certain income level or you need to pay in every year. And you get special perks, like you might get to use a special lounge at an airport or you might get a certain number of extra points back. But you have to buy in, you have to give something to be part of this group. And you were special, you felt special, but you were special in a way that others were not and that others couldn't be. So that group had a perspective of those who are outside who couldn't join that we, we got special treatment because we were able to buy into this. I'm gonna give another example of a group. So, so you get a sense there are different types of communities. How do we treat those outside? How do we treat those inside? I'm gonna give you another example of a group which you probably heard of. This is a political party. I'm not gonna identify any in particular because what I have to say isn't about any party in particular, but a political party, it's free to enter. You have shared values with others who are in the same group. And how do the leaders in a political party regard those outside? Well, it's often as we hear, it's often that people who are not in our group are at best misinformed and at worst stupid or evil. That's a kind of group we can choose to be part of, and that's the kind of attitude we can have towards those outside. So different kinds of communities. So what is this community that God is building by the Holy Spirit here? And I want you to imagine with me, they had everything in common, it says here. So this, this didn't mean that they had to give anything up. It was all voluntary. This doesn't mean that the government was seizing the means of production. I'm using political language. It wasn't a drab type of communism. You might, you might have seen in Terry Gillum's 1985 movie, Brazil. Maybe that's way too obscure. I'm a film guy. It wasn't forced. It was voluntary. People loved this community so much that they were giving their services, they were giving their money for the benefit of the community. Now, I want you to imagine this kind of community with me, a community where money doesn't exist because it doesn't need to exist, because everyone lives for the good of everyone else in the community. I'll give you an example. If someone is sick, they can go to a doctor and they will get surgery, they will get healed because the doctor in this community, the doctor has already had provided from the community the money to pay the medical bills. There's enough trust in this community that the doctor doesn't need to buy malpractice insurance and that the doctor does a good job because he or she has peace of mind because a community is keeping him or her accountable. And the person doesn't need health insurance because the community is providing. This sounds wildly different from how the world works today. And that's why we're imagining a future where this can happen. 
How many of you are Star Trek fans? So, okay, we got, we got one over here. We have a few more who, yeah, a couple more. All right, maybe a few more people who don't feel like raising their hands or don't want to admit it, that's okay too. Star Trek, it began in 1966. A guy named Gene Roddenberry had a vision of the future of the 24th century where money is no longer needed because everyone contributes to the good of a society. Now that, that was a noble vision. Um, he loved science. He believed that the mechanisms of science can bring this about. But one thing we find out is that science itself, as much as it offers us in, the, in, the, in different ways it can make our lives better, the human heart can still be the same. And unless we have an openness of a human heart that's invested in the good of a community, then science can only go as far as our heart does. But here's what's amazing. We had this group here that didn't need any type of money because whoever did have money voluntarily contributed to the community. What a world that is. So the writer here, Luke, talks about two different kinds of people and their attitudes towards the community. So today we're going to be ta talking about two different types of spirits in this type of community. We have a giving spirit and we have a taking spirit. So in this day, it was even more difficult than things are today. People, they didn't just live paycheck to paycheck, not just day to day, but yet hand to, how, to mouth workers and imagine how much you can accomplish when all your needs are settled, where your peace of mind isn't dependent on the day-to-day -day daily work, whether you're gonna get it or not. It's a voluntary, trustworthy, generous, compassionate community this is the kind of community Jesus is building the church today. Okay, so we're looking at a man. His name was Joseph here. Joseph, he lived at the same time of the apostles. Now, Joseph was such a generous guy that the apostles called him son of encouragement. How neat would that be? That if you knew the apostles, that the apostles would see and say, here comes the encourager. He had that gift and, and he used that gift well. I'm going to tell you how, how great this guy is. Joseph called Barnabas. He's called Barnabas later on in the book of Acts. When the apostle Paul, who was persecuting the church, came to faith, the rest of the apostles were hesitant to accept him. But Barnabas said, it's okay. He's with me. Let me tell you what God is doing for him. Barnabas was the way the apostle Paul was accepted among the other apostles. What a great guy. Later on, Barnabas and Paul were traveling together. They were traveling together with a man named John Mark. You might know him as Mark, who wrote the gospel. And at the end of their missionary journey, they were going to go out again. And Paul said, I don't want him to go along. He wasn't, he wasn't helpful. He, he didn't keep up with us. He didn't have enough faith. He got scared. And Barnabas spoke up for him. And as a matter of fact, what happened is Paul and Barnabas disagreed so vehemently that Paul took Silas and Barnabas took Mark, and they went out again. Barnabas spoke up for Paul. Barnabas spoke up for John Mark. Just imagine how much Paul has contributed. Several letters. We have 13 or 14 letters from Paul in the New Testament. We have a gospel from Mark. 
And Barnabas was the man who encouraged them both. So let's look a little bit more about what this man did. We don't have too much written, but we have enough here. He generously sold a field and he gave the entire sum to the apostles. Barnabas was so invested in this kind of new community, this new humanity, that voluntarily from the heart, he gave, he disadvantaged himself to advantage the community. It wasn't reckless. He sold a field, not the field that he owned. He still had enough to do business. He thought, why keep my material wealth to myself when I could bless the community? What a giving spirit. So then we come upon Ananias and Sapphira. They saw that Barnabas and people like him had a good spirit. They had a good, generous spirit. But Ananias and Sapphira, they wanted to do the same motions. And they wanted to get the same praise. But they didn't want the same heart. So they copied his actions, but not the heart with which he performed him. That performed those actions. Peter reemphasized to them that money was always their own to do whatever they wanted. It's not about money. There was no obligation to give. But here's the thing: we're talking about community. Ananias and Sapphira had a fundamental, a basic misunderstanding of what this community was about. They wanted to take instead of give. They wanted to appear as givers so they could take attention and status and praise for themselves. I'll read a few things I listed here. This community was made up of people who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They wanted to appear righteous. This community was defined by an emotional vulnerability to grow in love. Thank you. They wanted to hide their vulnerability. This community was characterized by a pursuit of truth. They wanted to lie. This community was about giving for the good of others. They wanted to get for themselves. This community was about the equal worth of everyone involved. They wanted to join to get higher recognition. The community wanted to lift up the downcast. They wanted to lift up themselves. So we were talking about the Holy Spirit today, right? Peter said, why did you lie to the Holy Spirit? He didn't say, why do you lie to God? He said, why did you lie to the Holy Spirit? Here's why that's important. Remember we said the Holy Spirit is how we experience God? Ananias and Sapphira were so confronted by the reality of what the Spirit was doing with their community that they weren't just making a mistake. They saw the experience of what God was doing and they intentionally and premeditatively chose to go about it. So this isn't something you would fall into. We wouldn't fall into this fate. This would be a premeditation if we intentionally wanted to take advantage of God's people for ourselves. So, what does this mean for us? We have these two different spirits. We have a giving spirit and we have a taking spirit. And I believe the Holy Spirit is asking us today, okay, in what, in what senses 
can I be more giving? And in what senses can I be more aware of taking? In what way can I model more the life of Barnabas? In what way can I model less the life of Ananias and Sapphira here? What would it look like if we continue to resemble the community of this new humanity that Jesus is building? We would have all our needs met. Is it our desire to meet other needs to the best we can? It might just be a word of encouragement. Maybe that's where we are. That's okay. It's, it's a community where we have no need to save money. It's a giving community. It's a community where we have no need to seek status because we know we're accepted. We know we're loved and accepted where we are. We don't need to seek money or, 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 or relationship for validation because we're already accepted. Do you know you're already accepted where you are? Or do you feel a need to grab something before we become humble before God? So I want you to know right now, and let this come as a prayer, children of God, you are loved. You are accepted. You are wanted. God is meeting all of your needs. Hallelujah. And he will continue to meet your needs. Lord, make a way where there seems to be no way. Show that you come through. Show that you provide. Show that you have already empowered your people, your body, to meet every human need there is in the world. We pray that you will tear down the proud and that you will lift up the lowly. We earnestly expect the power of your spirit to show here. In Jesus' name, amen. If, those, if anyone needs prayer, I know one person expected the need for prayer before. If those of you need prayer, we will be going around. We will pray for you. And honestly, we need prayer too, so feel free to give us prayer. Um, but, but thank you for your time, and now we'll continue the service.